I'm going to do that first of all, like we're professionals. But, um, but why? I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not questioning why we needed to do the clicks. I'm questioning why we actually remembered after 80 odd episodes of not remembering. I don't know, honestly. I think it was because I, I was sort of sitting here going, it's more larks, really, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Only it's not, are we going to be doing larks tonight? No, we're doing serious. We're doing serious tonight, aren't we? Serious, serious, serious. Yeah. Yeah. Stern. So, what would you like to do tonight? Well, now that you've mentioned inclusivity, we probably ought to say hi and hello and welcome around the virtual campfire because that's how we usually start an episode and we're mostly professional enough to start most of our episodes that way although every now and again we get so excited about the topic that we completely forget and just launch and then we just have to like bung the music in somewhere where yeah. there's a convenient gap where there's yeah go just, make a gap in the editing and stretch the, the gap in. out a bit and put the music in so probably where we ought to start is hello lovely listeners hello welcome to today's episode of frith cast frith cast which is a very strange episode, because today is episode 87B. 87B is the episode. the reason will become clear a little bit later on. Uh-huh. So, settle in, warm your knees, grab a drink of choice, welcome around the very inclusive and highly glittery, sparkly virtual campfire. But stay off my marshmallows. Yeah. Probably oh, best, go on. I'd go on. All right, I have marshmallows. I don't mind. Steady. Steady, steady. Should so, we put some music in? We probably ought to put some music in here and then say... Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff who is currently just mellowing out, sitting on a log around the campfire. Come and join in, warm your knees, do your thing, and I'll pass you over to my, can I say co-host? I suppose. Do you reckon after like 87 episodes you're probably a co-host by now? I don't know. We, I, I sometimes think, you know, we ought to try and do, you know, what podcasters do. What's that then? Because I suppose we're technically podcasters, although I don't... Do you reckon after like... I don't... Three in, three years of... Yeah, but the <laughs> thing is, episodes. I, I don't feel like a podcaster. I feel like just some clown with a mobile phone who's just, just sitting here talking. Farting about and <laughs> recording it you like know. two mad gay aunts on gin. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. They're used to us doing that. So I'm Suzanne Martin with a heathen with a head full of stuff. Who are you, lovely co-host? I am Kate, and I'm not a heathen. I don't have a head... Well, I do have a head full of stuff. It's just not very useful stuff yes. as, a, as a rule. It's mostly... I know quite a lot about Star Trek. I know far too much about 
how to fly computer simulations of small uh, aircraft. Let's see, theory of relativity. Oh, <laughs> space time. I don't understand it. I just, I don't understand any of that. I just know some good sounding words. That's all. <laughs> really big words. But although, to be fair, I do think, I do think to some extent that that's the case because I think was it Einstein? Oh, I, I'm always, I'm always very hesitant attribute uh, ascribing quotes to Einstein because he's so much quoted on the internet and most of it's absolute cod's wallop but somebody said something about like there are five people in the world that understand quantum mechanics and three of them are lying <laughs> 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 or something like that i forget i forget the exact quote but it was something along the lines of yeah everybody knows how it people know how it works nobody knows why <laughs> well no that's the whole point though isn't mm. it it's kind of like you looking at it can change what it looks like it's like microscopic Arcadia. It is. That's the thing. Psychoreactive environment. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like I'm I'm sitting there listening to, you know, as a, as a as as somebody with a passing familiarity with uh, those. Um, I'll be diplomatic and say legends. Um, you know, it does make me chuckle a little bit. With the more I've learned about sort of, because I love science. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm you know, I know I'm not. I'm not somebody who generally goes on about sort of energy and stuff unless I'm talking about kinetic energy or mm. um, chemical energy or whatever. Um, you know, and conversion of energy from one form to another and all that sort of thing. That tends to be my, my, my thing. I don't discount more esoteric forms of energy, but I, I don't work with them. I don't have anything to do with them. But I do sort of, um, I do kind of, it does make me chuckle. The more I learn about quantum mechanics and so forth at my very, very, very basic level, the more I find myself thinking, this just is bloody Arcadia, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, episode yeah. 87B. Now... 87B. <clears throat> we're going to start with inclusivity. Inclusivity is a thing. Yes. Rather important. And you might have gathered after listening to 87 episodes or anywhere, you know, any number of the episodes up to now. 87 episodes plus this one. Plus this one, that we are inclusive. Which means? Which means it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it means that we accept and value anybody who holds the same understanding and respect for people that we do around the campfire. Inclusive means inclusive of neurodiversity. It means inclusive of culture. It means inclusive of disability whether it's visible or invisible it means inclusive of sexual orientation it means inclusive of all the myriad of gender mm. that is out there that is just glorious and wibbly wobbly gender wender stuff <laughs> yes all of that in its beautiful mad glorious finery this is what inclusivity means to us in legislative terms, you would be looking at um, anti-discrimination laws, that kind of thing, the yeah. sort of the sort of areas that they tend to protect people for. So, as you say, um, ability, or physical ability or disability. You've got um, gender identity, sexual orientation, so forth, race, religion, and a lot of people once they hear somebody talking about those things and the fact that they try to be uh, embracing of all those things will assume that what is meant is absolute tolerance. 
Oh, Obviously, no. we're going to come on. We're going to come on to. <laughs> we're going to come on to these things a little bit later on. I'm yeah. aware. But the way I usually describe, the way I usually put it for myself, is understanding that I do not necessarily fully grasp the life experience that you have had. No, I might not grasp it, and I might not have lived it, but I respect it. Yeah. And celebrate it with you. I will value it. I will. I will accept you. I will accept anybody for who they are. I do not necessarily accept people for what they do. Yeah, and this is where it gets really fun. Yeah. If you've listened to us for a while, you'll know that we are big nerds. We go off on a tangent every time we take a breath. Hmm. We go zooming around all over the place and generally we throw modern heathenry in the into the mix at some point, cover the whole thing in glitter, put a big bow on it and go, ta-da! <laughs> New episode! Tonight is probably going to be no different. Hopefully. But what we wanted to talk about was intolerance within heathenry. I think it is fair to say, heathens, we have a Nazi problem. We do. Which is why this episode is called 87B. Mm. It kind of ties into that. So before we get into that, we've talked about the pair of us being tolerant, accepting, valuing, celebrating people. But that doesn't necessarily, like you mentioned, mean that we tolerate and accept and celebrate those who are intolerant to others in return. And this is the lovely theory by Karl Popper. The paradox of tolerance. The paradox of tolerance. If I am tolerant towards another person, but that person is intolerant, then I can choose to be tolerant of everybody else but that person. Mm. That doesn't make me an intolerant individual. Why doesn't it? <clears throat> you are... I mean, you are... You are if that that person is expressing views that you don't like, mm. and you're saying to them you can't express those views. Oh, they can express them. They can express them somewhere else. <laughs> they go right ahead and say what they want to say. I cannot <clears throat> teach them how to heathen. I cannot tell them how to heathen. I can. We can talk to you about how to human. Mm. For me. If I am faced with an influx of people, I will build a bigger table and not build a wall. Mm. So, I think it's fair to say, um, I mean, this is going to be an episode that touches on, or touches on, um, throws itself headlong into politics. And yes. it's something that we generally try to avoid because it's something that isn't usually, it, it's not usually something that we we want to bring into this space. Because... We like to be inclusive and we understand that different people will have different views. We do. And we want to, you know, where those views are within a certain window, let's say, yeah. then we are we are all for allowing, you know, encouraging people to come in and have their have their say and, 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 and so forth. But there are certain standards that we hold between us, yeah. which we will stand for. So... Yes, we are going to be talking about politics. Obviously, if this is something that you are not up for, then, you know, if we... If you're not comfortable with it, yeah, that's then... cool. If you've had too much politics, <clears throat> and granted right now, it's a fairly 
political heavy climate. Well, this is what and I that's was called. Do your self care thing. Step away for a bit. Yeah, come I mean, back this... when you're ready. This is sort of what I was gonna what I was gonna sort of say. I mean, certainly in the last, I think it's safe to say in the last four years or so, um, politics on both sides of the Atlantic has become somewhat fraught. Yes. Febrile. Uh, yes. Um, Very distinctive brand. Yeah. So um, things have become extremely polarised, very, very divisive. And there is a uh, an upsurge of what you would might variously be described as far right, extreme right. And it's and it has a, I mean, it's 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 throughout society. But yes, it has certainly affected heathenism and heathenism, as with a number of sort of reconstructed old faiths of particular that originated in particular areas and particular societies. There is an element of exclusivity in that or exclusionary exclusionism in that whereby people are using the the symbols and the, the the trappings of that faith to express a divisive political stance yeah so so at the moment within modern heathenry from what i know personally mm -hmm. there are groups who are uh, openly exclusionary. Mm -hmm. So there are groups who are very much have a very, very, again, very divisive, very narrow, very singular view of what their faith should be. Yep. And hold that anybody going outside of that view is not real, mm -hmm. not proper, not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I have such a big problem with this, but there you go. There are groups who are openly inclusive and an openly inclusive group will tell you they are openly inclusive they will have it written in their description mm. you will see it in their posts you will see it by the way people talk to each other and you know meet each other when we can finally get back to meeting with each other again when they get what, to meet like, each other you know like I know. In person? Like, not virtual. <laughs> round the virtual campfire is virtual. <laughs> this is the round the real campfire. I forgot what they look like. I know. They're kind of like singy and spitty and not as... Um, they smell a bit more. I was thinking of the people, <laughs> but yeah. Well, they are too. <laughs> so there are some groups which are openly inclusive and will tell you they are openly inclusive and act and speak openly inclusive. So if you find an inclusive group, you can expect that if you are a man or a woman or non-binary, yeah. you, if you are gay or straight, a lesbian, bisexual, yeah. if you are, and I'm not being, you know, this, you know, this is including, um, not, uh, not. If a, you are a pandemic girl with biromantic tendencies, yeah. you're all good, is yeah. what Katie's trying to say. Essentially, what I'm saying is that an, a truly inclusive group will welcome you regardless of what your background is, how you identify yourself, how other people identify you. Um, you will be welcomed there regardless. You'll be welcomed there for who you are. Yep. So when we talk about an inclusive group, that's essentially what we're, what we're getting at. Yeah. Exclusive groups may ask about your background. They may ask about whether you've got kids. Mm -hmm. They may ask about 
whether you are in a heterosexual looking or seeming or is relationship. They may have certain traditional gender roles that they expect people to be fulfilled in. Mm. The difficulty comes because all not all heathen groups fit one of those two categories. No. Some heathen groups will have the fact that they are inclusive written in their bio. Oh, yes, we're very inclusive and this happens. And But when you actually get in there and you look at what they're doing and what they're saying, it doesn't feel right. Mm. Or you don't feel welcome or you're being subtly shifted out to the side or you may not be told about a meeting date. Mm. All of that kind of stuff can happen. I just a, th- a thought that occurs as well as we as we as we mentioned that 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 sort of thing. I mean, we're not even particularly I don't I, I don't think unless you would disagree, but we're not even particularly saying that if you I'm I'm thinking when you said sort of traditional gender roles and things. Um I'm thinking of these communities of of sort of, you know, traditionalists and 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 so forth that mm-hmm. will will where people will like the um the tradwife tradition that kind of thing that's yes. quite pop quite popular yeah. in some areas in America has an overlap here yes. yeah where people will uh surround themselves with the the sort of aesthetic of a of a bygone age and 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 act within the um the the, the, the sort of uh, cultural values of yeah. that age yes. and to an extent i i would have no problem with that i mean we're not sitting here saying you can't live the way you want to live can't tell you how to heathen. we can't tell you how to heathen if you if you want to if that sort of thing appeals to you i mean you know a lot of people are are interested in sort of history and all that kind of thing if that sort of thing appeals to you to an extent we have no problem with it mm. it's where it starts becoming a matter of coercion and deliberate exclusion and all that kind of thing Repression, but we'll, 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 we'll come on to it but you know when, when we say when, we're not being condemnatory when we in in all senses when we talk about you know these more sort of yeah this is this is where this gets quite tricky to be mindful of especially if you're kind of navigating these things for the first time Mm. or for the second time or you're thinking after lockdown ends what's been brought into sharp relief is i want to find a community that is local to me that i can join with yeah these might be thoughts coming through your head right now when i can move this is the direction i want to go Mm all good and groovy but then it's finding a group that holds the values that you hold yeah because there is usually widespread condemnation of far-right ideals Mm -hmm. exclusionary politics exclusionary groupings what those people will tend to do is use a series of coded signals to be able to display their uh, political allegiances their social values in a code so that if you're looking for that code you can see it okay and know that right i know i'm looking for these particular things Mm. with far right groups they tend to be known as dog whistles because the codes tend to be put in places like a dog whistle you blow on a dog whistle and another human can't hear it but a dog can yeah so if you're far right and you're looking for somebody with the same ideology, you're looking for that set of coded symbols or coded words, and you're thinking, yeah, those that... And sometimes it's not just the instance of one, because the instance of... Uh, they've co-opted particular symbols. 
some of them are quite overt. Some of them are a lot more subtle. Yeah. So if you see that particular symbol on its own, it's not for definite that that person is an absolute. It's, it's more like if you start seeing it in combination with other things. People of any ideology or any um, uh, political position or, or, or philosophy will use symbols. Um, it's a bit like us when we talk <clears throat> in film quotes. Yes. They're all in-jokes. We're using code. Yeah. So we use cultural code to you know, reaffirm our identity with you lot, lovely listeners. And we know that in some cases you get the in-jokes. Yeah. Far-right groups, exclusionary groups of heathens will use not necessarily film quotes, but they'll use specific imagery, specific words specific things so we're going to talk about some of these dog whistle things mm. and like we've said it's not so much seeing one of them on its own is not necessarily a matter of absolute run for the hills yeah if you start seeing two of them together or three or four or five or six and then you think oh yeah that's and in, and in certain combinations in. along with um, particular kinds of behavior or particular things displayed and particular things said. I mean, as I say, most um, most philosophies will use a symbol of, of some sort, at least one. I mean, you know, the, the, the Christians use a cross. The, yeah, or a fish with no eye. Or a fish with, with no eye. Or um, uh, pagans will use a pentagram quite often. Yeah. Um, a lot of heathens, a lot of uh, Norse uh, Norse heathens will use the Mjolnir. Yes. It, it's, it's a, and it's a recognised symbol... Uh, where somebody who is outside your in-group will probably look at it and not really think twice. Obviously, certain symbols are very well very well known. Yeah. But generally speaking, people within that group will recognise it. Go, here is somebody who is likely to be friendly to me or yes. likely to, to, to think the way I do. Yeah. Um, and as you say, some of them can be very, very overt and some of them can be much more subtle and much more dog-whistly. As an example of a an extremely well known, extremely overt far right symbol, we can of course look at the swastika. We can. Everybody, um, obviously, there are you know around the world there are different meanings for that symbol, but with certainly within Western well, I'll, Europe, I'll, I'll, I'll carefully call the Western world in Europe, in the United States, uh, North America, everybody knows what that symbol means. That symbol, in those colours. Mm-hmm has one very distinctive meaning. Far-right groups, you might see either overtly, as in, in somebody's bio, mm -hmm. like in their social media bio, or you might see it coded, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So you might see the numbers 14 slash 88. This seems to be quite a, uh, quite a popular one. Yeah, or you'll see just 88. <clears throat> I've seen it as dice inside an image painted on a jacket okay where the spots visible on the dice are 14 and then the next group of dice it's eight and eight mm. so you're looking for ways that this is coded so this is a very much a general sort of far right thing this mm. this particular symbol we're just we're sort of giving you an example of the kind of thing that you might encounter and unless you know what you're looking for, and probably it may well be that the, a lot of the people listening to this will be familiar with 1488. They'll know yeah. what it means. I mean, we can put 
we're going to put a link in the um, description for a catalogue of um, far right and uh, well, not necessarily far right, no, just far right, extremist hate symbols. Yeah. Partially so that we don't have to go reciting stuff ourselves. Yeah, a bit um, difficult for us to describe imagery on here, but there are things like if you see the tear rune, that can be a symbol that they'll use. Okay. If you see the Athala rune, the home inheritance family rune, uh-huh. that can be a symbol that they use. But some heathens may just use those symbols. They may have an Athala on a necklace. Mm. doesn't necessarily and categorically mean that they are a far-right burke. No. So just to look at the, um, the 1488 thing, as you say, it's a very, it's a very um, uh, well-used one, simply because numbers are very, very easy to hide in other things. Mm. Um, so 14 in this context refers to a, um, a, 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 a well-used uh, far-right uh, white supremacist slogan consisting of 14 words, which I will not recite. No. Um, but well, that, that is black speech and it has no place here. But essentially, yes. I'd rather do Ash and Ask the Bataluk, to be quite honest. You are. Um, but... Um, yeah, and the 88 is um, the uh, a, a numeric representation of the letters HH, which is a, um, a Nazi salutation. Yes. Which again, I will not utter here. Um, but we will put we will, we'll put links in. But the point is, these are very easy things to hide. If people don't know what they're looking for, or the context isn't quite right, people who are not. Uh, not alert to these things might miss them entirely but the people who are looking will see them yeah i mean a good example of this was some a few years ago a um an online store selling heathen supplies various bits and pieces for the discerning heathen practitioner um advertised in a big group was advertised in it as you say in a big in in a big group and everybody was sort of passing it around oh this is great this is great until somebody pointed out that all of the prices had been made so many dollars and 88 cents yeah. including several that were $14.88, at yeah. which point... But that was literally the only clue. There was nothing else on that site at all that would necessarily have made it stand out. It was only the fact that enough people re- recognised those numbers mm. that they started asking and questions. And it can be overt symbols like the swastika. Mm-hmm. It might be hidden in tattoos. It might be a single lightning bolt. It might be a double lightning bolt, which is more overt. The lightning bolts being um, originating with the SS. Yes, yeah. It might be, there's a symbol called a black sun, Yeah. which tends to get used by... It's not even that it's specific to extremist heathen groups. There's an overlap between far-right white supremacy groups and some aspects of modern heathenism. Yeah. They're not fully overlapping each other. They're not everybody's far right is also an extremist heathen. Mm-hmm. Some far right people are taking heathenry as a religion that they view as originating in Northern Europe and therefore should be exclusionary to able bodied white Northern European descendants. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Sorry, I going to need to sit in a corner and have chocolate after this episode this is just well this is the thing you probably gathered lovely listeners from the fact we're not bantering like we usually do that this is a really tough subject for us to even consider 
looking at. It's so opposed to our own inclusionary point of view. I have, um, and it is it is particularly um, difficult, challenging, you know, from our from our particular perspective. I mean, you know, obviously we we, we risk running into uh, all sorts of issues of uh, of sort of our own privilege and so forth. But you know, so for a given value of challenging, it is difficult when it is part of your own philosophy, your own faith, that's being so abused by people like this. Yeah, it gets co-opted. It gets co-opted. And it gets the people used. doing the co-opting are generally very, very loud. Mm. Now, I am not a heathen. I'm not exactly a Roman pagan in the sense of the paganism of ancient Rome, but I am. I do recognise the Roman gods, mm. or I recognise divinity in that shape, and I have always felt an affinity with Rome, including much of its symbolism. Now, the problem is, for me. A lot of that symbolism was also co-opted. Yes. For example, one of the most important symbols of, of ancient Rome from a religious perspective is the eagle. Now, obviously, in the United States, the eagle is their heraldic beast. Mm. So it's it has a less troublesome uh, connection. connection over there yeah. than it does here. But if I look at the Roman eagle, it's not very far. No. To go from there to the Nazi eagle. No, it's not very far at all. And so I tend not to use symbolised eagles. It's too close. And I can be, I can feel resentment. I can say, well, you know, the damn Nazis took my symbol and or one of my symbols and, and mm. we should take it back and so forth. But sometimes you have to recognise that this there's a battle you can't win. And on that point... It's there are debates that come up every now and again in heathen groups that say, should we look at reclaiming these symbols? Mm. Can we ethically reclaim that symbol mm. once it has been used loudly and proudly for that purpose of exclusionary politics and discriminatory groups and aggressive, destructive politics? Can we bring that back into an inclusive worldview? And some heathens I know will say, no, we can't. We just lose it. Mm. We do not use it. And that's our distinction. We have to give it up because it is too far, too badly tainted. Yeah. And some heathens I know will say, no, actually, we need to use it. We need to claim it back. Mm. That's our line. And, you know, others will say we definitely need to. We need to claim everything back. So it's. Again, this whole episode is we can't tell you how to heathen. Mm. We can tell you of some of our own personal experiences and engaging with people who have been in those very exclusionary groups who will come into an inclusionary group. Mm. And, you know, they'll they'll pass all of the opening questions of are you an absolute toe rag Nazi? No, no, I'm not. Well, you can definitely come in then. That's I, I believe in the... accepting everybody and, uh, yeah. and so on. So that's easy. That's the first half a dozen lines. And once they're in, they might start pushing memes of a certain thread or yeah. they'll start creating, having a header on their own personal page mm. that has a particular flavour to it, yeah. a particular type. Or they may ask and say, well, can we debate about this? We're all inclusive heathens here. 
Is there not room here for, for dissenting opinions and different we, points of yeah, view? Can we have a healthy, respectful debate? I'm not trying to... God, the old term used to be flame war, and I have no idea what it is now, but I'm not trying to... You're not trolling. I don't know. Yeah, flame, I'm not trolling. War. I'm looking for an honest debate about something, and that's where it can get very tricky, because... You try and engage somebody who is in that exclusionary stance because they're saying, well, you know, come and debate with me. Come and come and tell me. Come and change my mind. Mm. And somebody who is inclusive will be just like, well, that's great. They're looking to change their mind. Yeah. They're not. No. There they're is looking a... to help you doubt. There is... Um... I just I want to just just pop back for a second onto the subject of uh, reclamation because reclamation is a, is quite a big thing, and it sort of leads on through to, mm. to, to to sort of what you were saying. Just to go back, uh, as I say, onto the the issue of um, uh, sort of reclaiming these symbols and so forth. I mean, there are obviously, as I say, if I use certain terms um, in 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 the sense of my own community. Mm. It's like the word queer for the LGBT. And this is what I was just coming to. Now, within my, my own community and our own community, there is the word queer. We advertise ourselves, we announce, we, we, we label ourselves as a pair of queer heathens, queer pagans, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that is a word that we are quite happy to use. Now, we are, I'm, we're certainly conscious of the fact that not that long ago, that was a term of abuse. Mm -hmm. The difficulty is that depending on the context and depending who is using it it is still a term of abuse can be yeah can be but at the same time we use it as generational change yeah. a reclamation so, so maybe there are words that can be reclaimed mm. but symbols i don't know symbols the problem is that a symbol to to use the old saying a painting is worth a thousand words a picture is worth mm. a thousand words and a symbol is a lot of concept all Packed wrapped into up. one tiny little image. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just a simple case of um, that word. It's a, it's a, it's a case of that symbol and all the other things that are. I, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is a blurry line. I'm not sort of saying that that words can't be very heavily loaded as well. But a symbol can become, especially where it's a symbol like the swastika, where it's a symbol that um, I keep calling it a swastika. I should call it Hackenkreuz, shouldn't I? That's, I think that's the, the, the proper term for that version of it, if you like. But especially where the symbol wasn't very prominent to begin with, because the, the, the swastika wasn't a European symbol. So when it arrived in Europe, it arrived on those banners. It's very difficult then for Europeans to say we should reclaim it for something else, for a culture that was because never ours in the no first place. it had no previous understanding mm. for it. But yeah, going back to people yes and you may get members of far-right groups known members of far-right groups that will come in and say well can we have healthy debate can we can we you know respectfully talk this out mm. and they may not be looking for healthy debate what they're looking for is a chance for them to prove themselves right they are looking to tire you out yes so that you walk away and they feel like they've won and you've probably, some of the lovely listeners around the virtual campfire have probably experienced this. Mm. It can feel very bitter when it happens because it calls into question 
you know, you put so much, you invest so much emotional energy into helping them understand that this is the way things are. They're not looking to debate. They're looking to tire you out. It's called, I believe, sea lioning is the expression what that's about? used on the internet. The artificial impression that somebody gives you that they are just sincerely trying to understand. I'm a trans person, as you know, we, we make no secret of that. So I encounter this quite a lot from people who are not particularly friendly to people like me. Mm. Um, but they will they will often sort of open with, well, this because I've always said I'm I'm happy to answer questions and I want to help try to help people understand. And people will come to me and say, well, there is this thing I don't understand, and they'll ask me a question and I'll answer it, and then they'll ask me another question and I'll answer that. And, I don't mind answering lots of questions in a row, but it very quickly becomes clear that they're not actually interested in the answers I'm giving. They're interested in looking for ways around things that they can use to get in to, to get in and, and wear you down. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to maybe pause here and say that sometimes when you're a little beginning heathen and you've just had your first understanding that this is the direction that you want to go for, maybe for a while, maybe for a week, maybe for a year, maybe for a day, maybe who knows, mm. you're going to ask questions. Of course. And and that's a good thing. Some of them are going to be questions that you may be thinking, well, I don't know, so I need to ask this question. But to everybody else inside that group, they're suddenly seeing somebody new come in and going, help me out with this. I want to sincerely understand it. And they may mistake that new person yeah. for a sea lion. Yeah who was trying to tire them all out. And they may react as if that person is somebody far right, trying to tire them all out. And that new person may get shunned out of that group. And it's a very difficult thing to judge. It is. And it's a very difficult line to walk. And it takes being mindful of who is there, what questions they're asking, whether you have a gut feeling that they are being genuine in what they say. Yeah. And knowing that at any point you can say, actually, I've had enough for this evening. I'm going to walk away from this conversation now. Yeah. And looking after yourself. Because you may feel that when a sea lion is asking you question after question after question, that you are obligated to keep giving long answers. And they won't ask little questions like, oh, um, how do I spell this word? Mm. They'll say, they'll ask you a big open question and you will end up, giving them a screed answer well it, it it's this but it depends on this and this and this yeah then they will ask you another one line question that is it needs you to give this huge screed answer yeah you'll find that they're they're putting a, a very much <clears throat> less effort into the conversation than you are yeah and and it is this is partly the the, the sort of two main levels of damage that sea lions will cause and obviously i'm i'm using the the the, the internet terminology we'll we'll put a link into mm. the, the origin of that but i mean i'm, I'm actual genuine sea lions i'm very fond of i think they're fancy fantastic <laughs> um yeah you know um, <laughs> but, but this type of one-sided attacking argument conversation couched in friendliness yes very polite very yeah. very polite always always absolutely unfailingly polite because what they are waiting for is for you to wear out and, lose and when you when and you stop. wear out yeah exactly yeah you will lose patience you will snap 
you will call them a name, you will swear, you will walk away, you will block them on Twitter, whatever it is you do, at which point they go, how well, this is what happens, you see, when all I did was ask honest questions and, and they swore at me or they blocked me yeah. or whatever. Heathens are so unreasonable. And it will reinforce their exclusionary view. Yeah. But it is not your responsibility to change their mind. No. It's theirs. And I would go so far as to say that they are actually the only person that can change their minds. Yeah. And it is not... They may make you feel in that conversation that it is your responsibility to say, well, why shouldn't I use the black sun? Yeah. But I've seen all the other heathens wearing the Molnir. Can I wear one with a double lightning bolt on it? Yeah. Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do the other? And yes, there is an overlap between far right, right white supremacist groups and heathen groups. Mm. Sometimes it can take quite a while for you to actually kind of realise that yes, they're saying one thing, but they're doing something different. Yeah. So. Because they want you in there so they can start working on you. Yeah. So and you can then go out and they'll say, well, go ask that group what, what the answer is. And that group's one they've had dealings with before. Yeah. So it can be a really difficult line to walk. And the far right can be very vocal. Yes. And they can be very attractive to people who are disillusioned, people who feel that they have, you know, who want the self-worth and want the respect and want the community, but are finding it in places that are not healthy. Yeah. I mean, th this is a huge subject, and obviously we've we've covered it fairly, with, uh, you know, yeah. fairly sort it's, of. Um, it's massive. Yeah, absolutely and, and massive. We could do another ten episodes on this, and still not really get into where it comes from, what groups are where in the political spectrum, and that kind of is subjective to where you are on the political spectrums. It it reaches its creepers into so many different things. Mm. This is this is this is the big problem with it, and. And it can be very unpleasant to have to confront it, especially when it's it's got itself wrapped around something that's important to you. Like I said earlier on with the, the, the Roman eagle, I would love to use it, but I can't because to other people, it won't mean the same thing as it does to me. Mm -hmm. And I have a responsibility to other people not to cause them fear. If they see me, if I if I bought myself a, a a pendant with that eagle on it or something like that, and somebody sees it and thinks Nazi, yeah, it's going to cause them fear. It's going to cause them alarm, and I don't want to do that, so I don't use it. Yeah. And but it does hurt when it's part of your faith that's being co-opted like this. You have to make that judgment. You have to be realistic enough to say yes, this has happened. I can't deny it's happened. You have to be realistic enough to say, I want to reclaim this, but I can't. No, or I want to reclaim this, but I need to do it mindfully. Yeah. I don't want to go into it all guns blazing and wear all the band symbols because you will just be viewed as something else. Yeah. Watch out for undertones. Yeah. Watch out for dog whistles. Yeah. Well, lovely listeners, we haven't had an awful lot of time to go into the other things that are far-right dog whistles so we will leave you some links to explore so that you can see 
what kind of things in combination, often in combination, it may not be, it may be that one or two of these mentions is perfectly acceptable, still inclusive, still talking about those particular runes or those particular symbols, but you start seeing those symbols and words and codes and phrases and dog whistles coming up with regularity. Mm. That's when you might want to look at where your values and your politics are and where that person or that group's values and politics are. What is the subtext? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it can be screamingly loud. Mm. And sometimes... Sometimes it's just text. Sometimes it's just text. (laughs) Sometimes it's right there. Kate and I can't tell you how to heathen. But hopefully with this episode, we've talked a little bit about what it's like to human. Yeah. One of the things that you'll often hear in heathen circles specifically, and it's something I've had to get used to while I've been learning about this particular tradition or these traditions, is uh, you alluded to it earlier on, the idea that this is a Northern European religion. And therefore, the gods of heathenism are Northern European. They are white. Like white they don't skinned. have passports by now. <coughs> well, you'd think. All over the place. You'd think, but they are white-skinned, <laughs> blonde-haired, you know, blue-eyed, yeah, but carry on. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that their religion, their worship, or their devotion, or devotion to them, is available only to people of white North European descent. Um, and you will find a lot of uh, groups are people who will say you're of the wrong ethnicity or you're from the wrong part of the world or what have you, you cannot be a heathen, you cannot worship these gods. And to me, this has never made sense. No. It is a bizarre variety of gatekeeping in my eyes. It, 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 it... Well, I, I think the idea of it is the gatekeeping, not the actual ideal, isn't it? It's it is. the fact that they feel that they are powerful because they have the power to exclude or admit. Mm. And yet... But it's a false sense of power. If a god calls someone from some other part of the world and says, I want you to do a certain thing, or you know, I want you to come and be part of my, my community, or what have you, how is it for a mortal to say, no, they didn't speak to you? It's never struck me as a particularly rational perspective. Now, I mean, if you've been with us a while, and we know that some of you lovely listeners have been listening a very long time. Back in episode three, when this podcast was very, very shiny new, Mm. we talked about my understanding of the central tenet of modern heathenism. The one guiding principle that I hold to. I said that a lot of modern religions hold to as well. A golden rule, if you will. A golden rule. And my understanding of modern heathenry, the way that I understand it, practice it, live it, breathe it, and set fire by it, my belief is incredibly important. To, it's central to who I am. Mm. And that living and breathing of it, this central tenet is the core of all of that trapping of ritual and 
that central tenet for me is don't be a dick. Simple as that. So simple and yet <laughs> so, so very, hard very for so many people. Yeah. So for me, being inclusive is part of that. Yeah. For me, being intolerant of people who are intolerant is part of that. And it might be that that dickishness is rooted in somebody's insecurity about themselves. It might be it's rooted in low self-esteem, in low self-worth, in... You see, now you're getting all empath empathet empathetic. Yes, I am. I still... I can get empathetic, but I will not engage. No. Because my emotional energy, I can choose where I put that. Yeah. And I can choose to focus that on things that are positive for my community, for me... I can go and learn about different faiths because my faith and my strength of faith is not threatened by that. No. I can learn about different cultures because my faith and my strength of faith is not threatened by that either. You have gods that are about courage and wisdom and hospitality. And sometimes making really spectacularly bad decisions. Granted. But... <laughs> But for the most part, I look at I look at the stories of your gods, and the the qualities that I see for all their, you know, for all their sort of squabbles and 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 and, and fights and mistakes and all that kind of thing. But the, the the qualities that I see are, as I say, courage, not necessarily, you know, courage in the sense of being afraid and doing it anyway. Yes. Sacrificing and knowing the cost. Sacrifice, cooperation in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yes, granted, there's, like I said, there's a lot of squabbling, but, you know, they are a community. Wisdom. Odin embodies it. And, and constantly and, searching for new knowledge. And, and all of these things seem to me the antithesis of everything that's the... the, the the far right, the alt right, white supremacists, whatever—the people that co-opt these these gods and these symbols—seem to be clinging to the the opposite of everything that they stand for. Maybe it's not a case of the religion. Maybe the religion is the covering they can use. Yeah, and that makes me really sad. Mm. It makes me sad to think that the heathenism that hits the mainstream media is often the extreme. Yeah. So my thoughts are that if I want to go and find somebody of a particular faith and talk to them, I will go and find somebody who's just quietly getting on with their day. Yes. I won't go and find a loud shouty voice because they're shouting for a reason and that reason is not me. No. I will go and find somebody who's just wanting to get on with things and practice their faith, breathe it, live it, understand it, learn it. Mm. deepen their connections and it makes me really sad that some people are not able to see their faith in the same way yeah so lovely listeners we're going to throw a lot of links into the description but i am going to put a caveat on it for self-care if you don't feel that right now in the middle of a global pandemic when you may have been furloughed, when you may have lost your job, when you may have lost family members, 
and friends when you may not have seen another human being in four months, five mm. months. Maybe this is not the right time. Maybe save these notes for personal exploration later when you're feeling more stable, more settled, more solid. Mm. They'll be here. You don't have to do them all now. You can use them, you know, maybe explore one or two and then stop. You can look after yourself in all of this. And you can be mindful of who you talk to online and what dog whistles they're showing and who's engaging you in conversation and why. Mm. As part of your own self-care, to look after yourself as a valued part of your community, your inclusive communities. You are not obliged to expend your energy. No. You're not obliged to justify yourself. No. And if you need to walk away from this and take a break, you do it. So, lovely listeners, we're going to see you all on the next episode of Frithcast, which will be episode number 89. 89? 89. No A's, no B's, no C's. (laughs) No. We'll talk to you all then. Bye-bye. Bye.